Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. With them and many other ministries that uh, your spirit has raised up in this area, uh, all kind of united in this desire to see Jesus Christ glorified uh, throughout the uh, Central Illinois region and to see revival and renewal and breakthroughs happen here spiritually. We're thankful for that. And now, Father, I thank you for Adam. I thank you, God, for the message you've given him tonight. I ask, Lord, that you would use him to speak into our hearts. Uh, Let him uh, have this grace upon him to take truth and to uh, impact us with us. Because we know it's the truth that sets people free. It's your truth that renews our minds. It's your truth that motivates us and and calls us forth to serve you. And so, Lord, uh, let there just be anointing on Adam tonight as he serves and as he shares in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Kelly and Rachel, for leading us in worship that was beautiful and I know the Lord thinks it was beautiful as well Um, as I was praying about tonight what I was going to share I felt the Lord put on my heart to share about transformation and transform communities and how God not only wants to do that but how he has done it and he's going to do it again and just to give us a vision for what that looks like um in a corporate sense for us as individuals and for our community and how we pray into that, how we uh, tie into what the Lord wants to do. And then Kelly and I are going to share some testimonies of uh, transformed communities that we either have been to or that we um, know of the stories and, uh, and just to provoke your hearts in what God uh, is wanting to do, longing to do, and willing to do. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about what transformation is and how that works and how God does it, and then what it looks like on a personal level and what it looks like in a community level as well. So in Romans 12.2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so we're familiar with that. We hear that verse, we're not to be conformed, but we're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And transformation is God's idea. It's not something that um, the world has thought of through psychology. It's God's idea of taking something old and making it new again. He says that he'll take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. He gives us a new heart. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And... I think sometimes um, in different Christian circles, we may lean into some of the truths that existed in the Old Covenant, but actually have been surpassed and superseded in the New Covenant, and this is one of them. I think sometimes people will be like, the heart is deceitfully the wicked, which 
apart from Christ it is, but once we're in Christ, we're that new creation, or they'll look at, um, the, they'll treat themselves like a worm, like, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, might as well go eat worms. Like, sometimes people live that way and act like uh, Eeyore is um, the way that they want to be motivated in life, but we're actually to be new creations in Christ, and that's part of the transformation that the Lord makes available for us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we're being transformed into the same image. And, it, and in uh, Philippians 1.6, it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we are all works in progress. We're all being transformed on a, a continual and regular basis. Um, when I used to hear the word repentance, I often um, tied it to confession of sin. Um, so there's a, several different ways that it's used and, and uh, coupled together with other words in the scriptures. But the word repentance actually means to change our mind or to change the way that we think. And um, I heard this quote by C.S. Lewis, and it says, God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And he didn't just come to do a fixer-upper. Like He went down to the very foundations, gave us a new heart, and made us brand new. What I want to paint a picture for tonight is about what transforming revival is. And I mentioned that um, we've been to a few communities or heard many of the stories of what God's doing on the earth. And I'm going to share some of those things um, and some of them are from the past. We're going to share some uh, more current ones as well. But it's not so that we can be like, wow, what if God did that? Or, man, God hasn't done that yet. But it's so that it will awaken faith that he is not only capable, but he's wanting to do that in our midst. So I have uh, a definition of what transforming revival is. Transforming revival is a corporate encounter with a supernatural God. It's tangible it's measurable, and it's observable by all who live at the visitation location. So it refers to the entire process of a change that a community undergoes as a result of God's manifest presence and subsequent spiritual awakening. So now that you could all tell me what that was. I know that's a lot of words. So it's a corporate encounter where God comes and brings a change where anybody, not just the church, but anyone can say, wow, something is different. Something has happened here. And um, and so one thing to, that I want to share about this is with transformed communities, it doesn't mean that they're perfect. It doesn't mean that they never have any problems from there on forth, but um, what it means is that there's a drastic change in every aspect of their community, their ecology, the economy, the politics, the social structures, the families. They are all touched by the power and the move of God. And so um, there are three stages um, that, that have been observed in the transformation process. The first 
is the part that we get to uh, steward and actually welcome, and that is uh, preparation, where we're preparing for his presence. And that's what we're doing, what we're praying for in this region, is we're preparing our hearts as individuals, as a corporate body of believers. We're saying, come and have your way amongst your people. And so that's our part. The second part is... Um, a sovereign part. It's a breakthrough of his presence that happens. And then the third part is the transformation where there's a habitation of his presence. The Lord desires to cover the earth with his glory and we can choose to join in with him. Many of you are probably familiar with Second Chronicles 7.14 um, and that is a uh, common verse that is used when uh, transformation is brought up. And so Second Chronicles 7.14 is, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And so part of why that's brought up in Transforming Revival is because when we turn our hearts to the Lord, He says, I'm going to do my part in healing the land. Now, this is not... This... Uh, prescription that God gives isn't for salvation, right? We're, we get sal- salvation when we anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe it in our hearts. We're saved. So that's not what this is about, but this is about how he wants to come and dwell amongst his, his people. So I'm believing God for the impossible and that our mindsets won't be limited by what we've seen or even what we've heard. How many of you have heard of the Welsh Revival before? So there was a, uh, a revival that happened. A guy named Evan Roberts was a part of it in the early 1900s. And I'm going to share just briefly some of the stories of what happened during the, the Welsh Revival. So drunkenness was immediately cut in half. Many taverns went bankrupt during that time. Crime was so diminished that judges were presented with white gloves, signifying that there were no cases of murder, assault, rape, robbery, or the like to consider. The police became unemployed in many districts, and I'm sure that they found new employment. Uh, Some would say, oh no, they don't have jobs. We have friends that are police officers. They would have another area of employment where they would serve their communities, I would imagine. This one's kind of funny. There was stoppages in coal mines, not due to unpleasantness between management and workers, but because so many foul-mouthed miners became converted and stopped using foul language that the horses which handled the coal trucks in the mines could no longer understand what was being told to them. So they weren't being cussed at the whole time, and they didn't even know how to function. That, that seems like a, a funny uh, slowdown in production in the coal mines. And... Uh, if you ever run into John King, you should talk to him and say, hey, what do you know about the Welsh Revival? So Pastor King is Welsh, and he uh, knows of the story. So he wasn't born during that time, but his grandfather lived during through some of that time. And, uh, and so that was one area where the Lord came and touched, uh, touched a community and did a, a sovereign work. Um, another one that uh, I've read about and a a friend of mine named Dr. Wesley Adams who's gone on to be with the Lord, he um, helped write and expand a book about the Hebrides revival. So the Hebrides are a small group of islands uh, off the coast of Great Britain and um, 
And the Lord just visited them in a powerful way. And so if you want to be stirred for some of what the Lord can do, uh, I think it was in the mid-1900s was when the the Hebrides revival happened. It's just really powerful, some of the things that the Lord has done. And now I'm going to talk about some of the more recent things. So the transformation documentaries were put together by George Otis Jr., um, late 1900s and into 2000s, he started making these documentaries, and um, and so I probably saw the first one. I would say maybe in 2007 or eight, and uh, and I didn't really know what to do with it because there were things that they were talking about. And I'm like, yeah, I've never heard about. I mean, I've heard of citywide prayer. I've heard of you know churches coming together, but they were talking about. Um, areas that were given to darkness and then they just became beacons of light and and uh and so um we'll see if this works i'm going to try to click through these and see if these this slide will work or not is it working did it go oh there it went oh it went too it took it a second okay so the first one it this is just what the uh transformation dvd itself looks like and so um this one, I mean, this is over 20 years old now, and this was just a foretaste of some of what God was doing. Um, and so I'm going to share one of the places. I haven't been to Amalanga, Guatemala, but that's one of the places he talks about here. And actually, I was refreshing myself on some of these stories today. So I have some things that were written down that I knew about Amalanga, but then I... Um, the ministry that I served with Fusion, um, there were several staff that had been there, and then also uh, George Otis Jr. was was talking about that. And so, um, so in Amalanga, uh, they worshipped this idol for about seven hundred years. It was one of the main um, issues in their town, and um, it, the in the worship of this idol, uh, it was centered around drugs and drunkenness and immorality and uh there was an audible voice experience that someone happened and the churches stood against it they unified and they started to see breakthrough and so the interesting thing about amalanga was that the land was virtually barren and and i went back to find um the numbers of of what what used to happen so they used to send out about four truckloads of produce a month and um about 20 years ago, so this number may have been updated since, but about 20 years ago, they went from four truckloads a month to, let's see, 40 trucks per week. Because when the Lord came and started moving in Amalanga, they saw this, they, they didn't know why it was happening, but the ecology actually changed. So the, God gave them strategy on how to grow their produce, but it wasn't just on how to grow their produce because the Lord also, let's see if this will move to the next one. So these are some of the produce that was, um, that's a man's arm reaching down that you see next to those carrots. And the radishes, I think that they said it usually took about 90 days and sometimes they were taking 30 days, 25 days uh, to to harvest Um yeah, cabbages, bigger than people's heads. Uh, and so it's just amazing. One of the byproducts. Now, they weren't saying, God, we have barren land. We need you to come and do that. They just sought the Lord. Um, one of the 
side effects that they had was there were four jails in Amalanga and they were all closed because they had so little crime. Um, and I think they had over 20 bars and cantinas and only like three of them were left open after most of the city of like 19,000 people got born again and uh, families are restored. Churches are working together. Um, once people were saved, they're set free. Then they started working and they started plowing the land and they just saw this amazing uh, harvest and what God was wanting to do. Um, I think the next picture is also of a carrot. Let's see if it will let me. So um, one time, so Rhonda Huey that I, I served with, she um, had this carrot and she brought it back to the United States. I don't know how she got it through customs, but she brought it back to the United States and she would carry it around with her to meetings and it lasted like six months without going bad. And she um, came to a leader in a ministry and she said, let me show you the size of your unbelief and pulled out this carrot that was the size of his arm and, uh, and said, this is one of the fruits of what the Lord is doing. And, and so... Like I said, that wasn't what they were looking for, but that's one of the things that God did just in the midst of transforming revival where the ecology was actually changed. And Kelly can come in and add in more stuff now, or do you want to do it when you come up? Oh, no, it's all right. It'll probably work. So I'm trying to do it through my phone up here, and it's like, yeah, that might. Beep, beep. There it goes. Next. So this is George Otis Jr. and his arm. This, I took a screenshot of this um, next to one of the carrots. And so obviously there's a, a whole video of it. Um, but these were all VHS and then DVD. And now some of the stuff is on YouTube too, which it probably shouldn't be on there because somebody's probably violating copyright. But um, these stories are out there and you can go and find some of the things of what God's doing. So did it go on to the next one? Oh, it's going back. Back, back. So, yeah, I know. I watched it. You don't need to. Um, so, we also, there's a trip of 22 of us that went to Fiji, and that's where I'm going next. So, so that license plate says Second Chronicles 714. So, there's a team called the Healing the Land team, and I think... Do you remember how many of it? I think there were 14 of us from the Peoria area that went. And the reason we went there um, was because out of, there's somewhere, and this was an older number. So last I had heard there were around 1,000 documented transformed communities around the world. And over 200 of them at the time were in Fiji alone. Because there's a team going through this healing the land process and leading people through a repentance process and seeing the Lord show up in a mighty way. And so we went with a team to be with their Healing the Land team and to experience it together. And uh, and so that's what we're doing here. And you're going to see, I'm going to have Kelly come up because she's going to help sit, share some of these stories. These aren't just my stories. She was with us on the team. And no, you can just use this one. So, so this is a picture of their um, police captain. So he was over them nationally. He was part of their national police um, affiliate, and he came and talked to us. Now, you might be asking why we're talking about this stuff. And when I went to Fiji, I remember thinking, 
I always thought this was somewhat possible, like God could do it. But when we got to Fiji, we realized this is really tangible. Like it's happening. And I was telling Adam when we were talking about this, I said, you know, a lot of times we pray, God, come and bring your revival to Peoria and bring your glory. And there's still a part of us that said, you know, if we had 50%, that'd be great, right? These villages, sit, they're like our cities, aren't praying for 50%. They're praying for it all. And so this, this so Fiji has told them, they have documented and t- said that we are a Christian nation, after all of this has happened. So their police guy came and said that their crime rate was really bad. Their repetitive crime rate was really bad. And they were doing like every year they would get together and like say, what are we going to do for the, what are we going to do? Like they would do strategy boards, like a whiteboard. And they would put like their strategies about what they would do. And the captain came in this guy or another guy, but one of the big wigs came in and they had all these different things on this board and he crossed it all off and he put Jesus. So they had a band, like a, a jazz band that would go into the community and do different events. Um, and they turned their jazz band into a praise and worship band. And they started a program called the Yellow Ribbon, Yellow Ribbon Program which specifically was targeted toward people who were reoffenders, And what their target was is that, again, when they arrest someone, they give them the option to come to know Jesus. Right then and there, they lead them to the Lord, or if they want to. They go to jail for their, because they did a crime, they go to jail. And while they're in jail, they're, you know, learning about Jesus. And when they come out of jail, the the, red, the yellow ribbon program was that they would get them jobs, but they would, it makes me cry, they would take them to the families who they offended, and they would ask for forgiveness, and they would have forgiveness and restoration between the offender and the, like, if, like example, if you went out and killed someone, they would take you to the family, and the family could forgive you, and you could ask for forgiveness and repent. And they saw that all of their re, their people that were doing, re, they were no more coming. They were no longer coming back, because they were addressing the problem at the root of it, which is the sin part of that. <laughs> and so, as a nation, as a national thing, so this is going out nationally in Fiji. Think about our police department just in Peoria, not nationally. What if every police person was radically safe for Jesus and was building relationships and community, were bringing, um, asking the Lord to come into people's lives as they, as they do crimes, and then allowing them to get jobs, allowing them forgiveness? I mean, just think, of, think about that. It, I mean, it blew me away. I just sat there and thought, like, is this real? Like, this is real. This is happening on a national level, not just in their little community, nationally. And so this is a, we're at, this is a called Natali Ra, and it's on the coast. It's on a black beach coast, which was really odd to see black sand. Um, This village was having horrendous issues. Their young people had rebelled, and they were growing pot, like, and selling it, like, massive amount of pot. Um, they had, their coral reefs had died and they had no fish. So they had to walk miles and miles and miles to find fresh food. 
And their churches were really, really segregated. So when we say segregated, we, I didn't understand. We're like, oh, well, that's, yeah, we understand. In America, we have that too. They're like, no. So let's say Adam and I, of course, were married. Let's say we decided to go to different churches. I would no longer speak to him in my home. I would act like I did not know him. He was an enemy of mine. So when they said their churches were divided, they meant that in homes, people would no longer speak to each other. Family would no longer see each other. It was very divided. And they also had a statue that they worshipped, and it would move around their village by itself. And so they had a lot of demonic things going on, a lot of ancestral worship. And they started the process of the Healing the Land team. And they came in on, like, day, was it day two or three? I don't remember what they said. They, someone was walking down by the ocean in the morning, and they saw a, and this is what they would, this is how they said it to us. They said, we saw a pillar of fire come down from heaven, about the size of a refrigerator. And it looked like a fire within a fire. And it touched our ocean for just a few seconds and then went back up. Oh, 30 minutes. So the, the, I'm sorry. And the village would come down and they were looking at this, okay? Their coral reef re, regrew within the night, which that takes hundreds of years for a coral reef to restore. And they had fish about, I think they said about this long, that would come into their nets. They would walk out with nets into the water and they would just swim into their nets. But it was only with the people who were restored to the Lord because other people heard about it and they would come and the fish would swim away. <laughs> And um, their young people came and repented to them and asked for forgiveness. Their churches reunited. This was the, when we talked to this elder, he said that they didn't really care about the miracles. And we were just, you know, we're Americans. We're like, that's what we're hungry for, right? We're hungry for the miracle. And he said, we didn't care about that. He goes, that was a blessing. He goes, we were so thankful for the restoration of our families. And our relationships were restored. And that their village was in peace again. And he said that was like the biggest blessing of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> and then the last one that we went to, again, why are we saying this? Because, again, what does it look like for a whole city to repent? That fathers and children are in relationship. That churches are in relationship. That people are restored. Like, I know people who have really hard family situations. Could you imagine that overnight they'd be restored? Oh, this was just a nugget of amazingness, how God is so good. So we're sitting at this table, Natalie Brown, we're like, does anyone else think that looks like Illinois? And there was like a knot in the wood, and it was like right where Peoria would be. And we were like... You know, this isn't just happenstance that there are 18 people, I think there's 18 of us from Illinois, from Peoria, that went on this trip to get the DNA of what it looked like for transformation. So this is the last village that we went to. This is Nuku. It's in the very middle of the island. So it's, it's uh, there's no water by it. So we're standing, so this is our team. And we're standing in a, a stream. And at some parts that stream came up to my knees, sometimes it was at my ankles. So Natalie Ra, or I'm sorry, Nuku had, this was their only water source, and their water was like a rusty brown color. 
And the government had come in and said, you can no longer drink this water because it's causing, it was causing tumors, blindness, infertility, um, cancer, uh, birth defects. They said, you could no longer drink this water. So they went through the healing the land process. And on the third day, their water ran clear. And they thought it was great. And then years later, scientists are coming out to their village still testing the water. And they're like, can't you just, it's fine. Can't you just <laughs> understand that the Lord did this and blah, blah, blah. They said, we understand it, but you don't understand that it's still, it's still polluted upstream and downstream. The only place that it's not is when it hits your village. So when it hits the boundary line of their village, it goes clear. When it hits the boundary line of their village, it goes rusty again. Constantly. It's a really fast-moving stream. So it's constantly. Every second, they're having a miracle. And after that happened, and <laughs> 50-year-olds were starting to get pregnant, having babies, um, all of their diseases left. Here's a really interesting nugget, too. Years after transformation, the government came in and told them that they had the largest deposit of gold in their ground. And so literally, they were walking on streets of gold. They don't have streets, but like ground of gold. It was like the largest deposit. So they were going to come in and buy, like buy it from them. So they actually got wealth from that. When we were at Nuku, every village has like a gate that you walk into to welcome you into their place. I'm a feeler. I tend to feel things with the Lord. And when you walked in that gate, I, the only way I can describe it is we don't realize how much static is always around us. Things in, like we're hearing stuff all the time. There's so much noise around us all the time. When you walked into that place, there was an odd, it was like someone had muted all the noise except like the noises of nature. Like you could hear like the birds, and the, like, but you could hear nothing else. Someone had said once, try to, I mean, one of the guys that Adam Stordwith said, they even said, like, try to think of a dirty thought. And, like, you just couldn't. There was nothing. And you just sat there. I was like, this is what Eden must have been like. It literally felt like heaven. I would imagine that's what it felt like in Eden. There was a sense of the tangible sense of the Lord. So when we're talking about these villages, they don't pray for the Lord to come and visit. They pray for the Lord to come and inhabit. What does it look like to say, Lord, we don't want a visitation from you, but we want a habitation of you where you come and you stay and you plant yourself. I, it, it was the craziest thing to see people, like everybody that you met was a Christian. Like in, I don't know if you see this in Amalanga, they renamed all the city streets to Christian names, <laughs> like to like everything. Yeah. And their businesses and everything. I think they actually turned their jails into hospitals. No, they didn't. They, and all their hospitals ended up closing too because they had no one sick. There was no sickness. That's good. Um, one of the other places that I was able to visit was a place called Manchester, Kentucky. And um, there are a few places that we've seen it here in the United States, and Manchester is one of them. And so um, that is in Appalachia, and there was just a lot of um, drug use and corruption and just really depressed. And so I took this picture when we were there, Manchester City of Hope, because that's what they started calling it after the Lord came and visited among the people. And so um, 
theirs wasn't like, oh, we need God to come and do this, but they, there was uh, basically a rally where they were like, we're going to rally people for, for God. And so um, 3,500 people came together from 63 churches. They marched against illegal drugs and corruption for the glory of God. And so um, we've... We're we're seeing some of it on this side of the ocean or in this side of the world. There's a there's some of it that have happened here in the U.S. and uh, and so God wants to do that. He wants to awaken hunger for what He's wanting to do. And and uh, and I hope that your hearts have been awakened a little bit to what's He wanting to do and how do we join with Him in that. And uh, and so. We're just going to spend a little bit of time praying for uh, the side that we get to do, which is we're preparing our hearts. We, the, the side of it that we get to do is um, the preparation for his presence. And then we're, we're saying, God, what are you wanting to do in our midst for that? So we have the, we have the preparation we have the breakthrough of his presence and then the tr- transformation, which is the habitation of his presence. So um, I want you to just gather up with a few people around you and uh, I'll prompt you. We'll just maybe pray one or two minutes and, and then I'll, I'll give you another prompt and then, and then we'll wrap up for the night. Um, but gather together, just two, three, four people, whatever size group you want to do. Uh, don't go by yourself because that's only one person other than the Holy Spirit being in you. So gather up with a few people. And um, the first thing we're going to pray for is that preparation. Now, the things that um, the sins that they focused on uh, in repenting of were idolatry, immorality, and the shedding of innocent blood. So those were those aren't the only sins, obviously, in the Bible, but they were. They said there are three taproot sins. And so just say, Lord, root those out of our hearts. So um, let's just pray for that personally, and then, uh, and then we'll get together here in a few minutes and pray again. Lord, we thank you that you're moving in our midst. We lift up our region right now. We pray that you will continue to bring your bride together. We thank you for people in this community that have a hunger for who you are and a hunger for not just your works but also your ways that we may know you. Lord, we pray that you will draw us near to yourself that we may be one just as you and the Father are one. We join with that prayer that Jesus, you had in John 17. And right now, we pray that you will expose darkness in our midst, um, in the government, in churches, in any area in that there will just be a humility and a repentance. And we just pray for your transformation to come. So we prepare our hearts for your presence. Say, come, have your way in our midst. Come dwell amongst your people. We thank you, God, that we know we're joining with the heart of God in in that prayer, that you're wanting to move mightily. 
So we pray for that aspect that we join with your prayer for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that the 309 area will be known as a place of peace, a place of reconciliation, a place where the recidivism rates, where the repeat offenders, that that will be a thing in the past, that when people uh, come out of the justice system, that they they don't become repeat offenders, but that they get born again in, uh, in the jails and in the prisons, Lord, and that they are forever changed. Lord, we pray that you break off uh, even people that are saying, I'm a good moral person and I don't do this and I don't do that, but they will be sold out for Jesus. Lord, that Christians won't just be known as people that don't do certain things, but that will also be known as your hands and your feet that we're out being uh, servants to those. We're, we're giving water and clothes and we're, we're serving our community. So we pray for a resurgence in um, the way that we serve and that we're not just about religious activities. We just pray that you will come and have your way. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. We say, come, Lord Jesus. Even as we wait for your appearing, have your way in our midst. We thank you, Lord, what you have done and what you're going to do. And we join with you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.